tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches talk about snow for Christmas, the bonus Snow Baz short story in Rainbow Rowell's short story collection, Scattered Showers. I am Mark Malachi Gray. <laughs> and I am Jesse Blount, and even though both me and Lark are very anti-Christmas. We are here <laughs> with a Yuletide treat for you, which is talking about this post-canon Snowbass short story. Yeah. And if you're wondering why this is coming out in November, it's because we're going to be off for the month of December in honor of it being the sad times. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> a very early Yuletide treat. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, a couple little announcements. If you, unlike us, are a Christmas person or a Hanukkah person or a, I don't know, other gift giving December holidays. A Kwanzaa person. Yeah. If there are presents involved in your life in the coming months, consider our shop slash our sticker club slash our Patreon not to be a downer, but like we're making roughly a thousand dollars a month less now than we were before we stopped talking about Harry Potter, and that sucks. So maybe ask your friends and family for the gift of our Patreon for this holiday season, because that would be lovely. And or join our sticker club. You can do both at the same time on Patreon. You can also gift people the sticker club because we have we've worked very hard to have very uh, subtle nods at fandoms that we talk about, but would be also, if you just know, a queer goth in your life, I think. <laughs> they would also be really into these stickers. Heck yeah. Also, you know, reminder that I have a tarot deck available there, too. So I meant to talk about that for like Halloween time and then completely forgot. So we'll talk about it for Christmas time instead, even though it's a very Halloween themed tarot deck. Listen, I, I also dropped the ball on Halloween this year, and I'm like, oh, I'll just continue Halloween in my heart until January 1st. <laughs> I'm just yeah. going to put little hats and little bows and all my Halloween decorations and then just keep them up. <laughs> perfect. That sounds perfect. Um, okay, with all of that out of the way, Jesse, will you please tell the people what this story is about? All right, so this short story is from Baz and Simon's perspective, but essentially, uh, Baz is having the very specific gay experience where your homophobic family decides that it actually is okay for you to bring a friend, in quotation marks, aka your boyfriend who you basically live with, home for Christmas. But, uh, you know, you're going to be sleeping in separate parts of the house. Baz has complicated feelings about this, but Simon is gay because he's like, hey, at least they're trying, so we could go. And they do. It starts off as awkward as, as you can imagine, especially when it's time to eat, considering Bass has not eaten in front of his family for like literally a decade. But with 
helpful advice from Vampire King Lamb and Simon Support, Bask us through it. And everyone is so stoked that <laughs> they all, all the adults just get drunk and apparently no longer care about all the gay shit. Woohoo! <laughs> Christmas Day. <laughs> Christmas Day is much more chill. And Simon and Baz get to be cute one last time before Simon goes off to his other Christmas with Lady Salisbury and his uncle. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love it so much. I know. Um, all right, so we're going to start things off with Easy Come, Easy Go, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Literally, I feel like it's sentence two or something like that. It's just like right out of the gate. Simon has a grandma and he's going to celebrate Christmas with her. And I was like, all right, I know exactly where I am for this story. I'm in my happy place. Everything's great. What a great start. So, so pleased. <laughs> I know it's so it's so funny considering uh listeners obviously in where we are in book through is just deep in the middle of the darkest angst not the dark we've gotten slightly past the darkest angst and so it's nice to have this like everything's great we're doing great everyone's in a great place and it's like oh I love it so much and the part where Baz is like Lady Salisbury is probably gonna give Simon every gift she ever would have given him like it's like she's, he's probably gonna get a rocking horse and I was like I love this idea that sounds so healing for both of them there's nothing in Simon's flat I just want it to be filled with like nerf guns a rocking horse like cuddly blankies video games like literally like everything from age one to whatever he is now 20 appropriate gifts one one gift per age group you know oh my god i feel like this was also my first my first thing because i'm just like yeah he does he deserves a hobby horse and a train set and a fucking playstation and like five adorable like teddy bears and just like the works (laughs) yeah totally exactly and i just love that for both of them yeah uh okay on a totally different note Simon, no, Fiona's assessment of Daphne (laughs) is, I said out loud, rude. (laughs) Listeners, if you haven't read it, she says, it's like your father decided after a lifetime of drinking gin that he wanted a glass of water. (laughs) literally my this is literally my second thing i'm just like this is such a sick bird from me <laughs> like wow uh. yeah um for whoever it is that like keeps track of me saying rude like that on the podcast um you get a big all caps one for this like put it on your bingo board because that is so fucking rude <laughs> Yeah, it's right. It's it's not even a read. It's just it's just like deeply mean. And I'm just like, Fiona, you're such a bitch. And I love it. <laughs> uh, okay, what do you have next? Um, I'm just glad for everyone, myself included, who knows about Battenberg cakes because of obsessively watching the Great British Breaking Show. This is my this is our time. <laughs> oh, no, it's not me. Tell me about Battenberg cake. Oh my god, I actually didn't look it up because I'm just like, I know that no, they No, just tell me what you know in your head. Don't look it up. Mm, I feel like it is a like, I feel it's like a, like a checkerboard kind of cake with like two different flavors and it's 
And then it has like a chocolate frosting. It's a very square cake. I feel like that's a Battenberg cake, but maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking about something else. It's okay. We'll never know. I'm not looking. Anyway, it up. perfect. <laughs> um, I did look up petite fours though, because I was like, that sounds like a ho ho. Is that the one that I'm thinking of? It sounds like something like a Swiss cake roll, but bougie. Is that what that is? And basically, the answer is yes. And I was like, huh, I never knew. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, because I feel like petite fours are like, yeah, like little two inch square cake with some kind of filling and then like a frosting or a, not quite a fondant, but like almost somewhere between a frosting and a ganache. Uh, I yeah. feel like every every petite four I've had has always been, has always been really disgusting, but. Oh, no. I do have a dream of making them myself, which I think would be better. <laughs> yeah, I think that's off, often the case, not always with baking. But frequently. Uh, okay, my next question, I feel like I, in my head, I hear myself as the 11th doctor being like, how can it be a duck pond if there aren't any ducks? How can you have a hunting lodge in Oxford? That's a major city. Like, by definition, a hunting lodge is where it's like a ski lodge. You're like, you can have a ski lodge in Oxford because you can't ski in Oxford. You can't hunt in Oxford. That's a city. What does it mean? How can it be a duck pond if there aren't any ducks? <laughs> I mean, it does it does sound like they just have a fancy what Simon's calls a rich person house with like some tr- some land around it and they're like, "Oh, it's a hunting lodge." And it's like, "Right. I mean, it- you have neighbors." <laughs> <laughs> they threw up some taxidermy deer heads and were like, "Hunting lodge." Like, come on, guys, calm down. It is not. It's just a house. You can just call it a house. Maybe they have a really big fireplace that's made of, like, giant stones. And they're like, it's a hunting lodge. And it's like, okay, sure. There's some exposed beams up there. And they're, yeah. Yep. It's about the vibe, (laughs) not about what you're using it for. (laughs) Disagree. (laughs) Your turn. Uh... I literally have it all caps. What did Uncle Cyril do? (laughs) (laughs) Our first time hearing about Bez's Uncle Cyril. And I just want to know what happened that Simon was like, you got to (laughs) go. Oh, right. Because Simon arrested him, right? And then Bez was like, no one cares. Everyone hates that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. Uh... Oh, I just LOL'd at the fact that Baz is like Simon and Swithin have similar table manners, (laughs) which is not Simon's fault, except at this point, he's been living with Baz for long enough that I do kind of feel like if he still hasn't learned table manners, it's an active choice that he's making. (laughs) And for the listener who's forgotten, Swithin is two. He's a a baby. (laughs) So I mean, so I have two thoughts about this. I think it could be a Baz is just so used to it slash thinks anything that Simon does is endearing that he's just not going to ever correct Simon or more likely B is that considering this, the pageantry of this dinner, I think anything besides having to have gone to manners school or whatever, or like learn the shit from the time you could talk like Baz has anything less than that is just going to look like, you might as well be eating with your hands. Mm-hmm. That's fair. They're probably, like, 
multiple spoons, you know. There are definitely multiple forks. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, your turn. I love the mention of Simon's new wing-friendly clothing. <laughs> I know. It sounds so cool, too. It's like maternity shirts, like nursing shirts, rather, for for wings. I don't know, just something about the fact that it sounds like they snap maybe like on his on his ribs, you know, as opposed to underneath his wings, like they're sort of the fabric wraps around to make them accessible. I was like, yeah, that sounds like really good design, which obviously they're made by a spider. So, yeah, yeah, Uh, who we have not met yet in our reread, but who is incredible. (laughs) Oh, wait, we know the spider. I guess I assumed Simon was talking about the lady that Shepard and Penny meet who has like extra arms. Doesn't she have eight extra doesn't she have eight arms? She's she has a lot of fingers and occasionally maybe some extra arms, but she's not she's not she works with language. She doesn't make clothes. I think it's probably someone different that Shepard introduced him to. An actual giant the Hobbit, not the Hobbit, Lord of the Rings size sort of spider. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Less mad then. Yeah. <laughs> Shyla? What is her name? Something like that. Shepard comes home. Guess who I met today? Everyone's like, yeah. oh no. <laughs> Simon, great news. I met a giant spider. She's going to make your clothes. I already talked to her about it. <laughs> I got you some quotes. I talked her down from her original offer. <laughs> It didn't even involve any of Shepard's firstborn children. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> oh, okay. My last thing here is just, um, I had actually forgotten that Simon is immune to magic by the end of Any Way the Wind Blows. And remembering that in conjunction with the fact that Baz can't sober him up with a spell, I was like, oh, fuck being immune to magic. Like, that sounds terrible. I'd be so mad if there was the possibility of being able to become instantly sober and that had been taken away from me. Yeah, that honestly may be the only downside to him being immune to magic. Yeah, like little things like that where you're like, oh, this is just so inconvenient to not have access to. Right. Um, My last thing is... Simon tells Baz, uh, we can be extra gay. We can be extra gay as a treat. And I'm like, that's the title of my memoir. (laughs) (laughs) I'd read it. Welcome to I See a Little Silhouette of a Man, where we talk about character development. Honestly, I think this is my longest segment. All right, let's get into it. Yeah. Uh, I have, uh, Simon, Baz, and Fiona. Ooh, I don't have Fiona. Let's start with her. Get her out of the way. I'm kind of mad at her, this story. (laughs) Uh, okay. Maybe we have different reads on this, because I'm kind of like... So, Baz is having a flashback to when he first, when his fangs first developed when he was 11. And Fiona is the one that coaxes him out of hiding after eating the family dog. And I don't know, I think it's like, like, she's a very Fiona way of going about it. But I think it's still pretty 
touching that she's like, all right, I'm, we're going to make this, we're going to make this work. I'm going to like coach you a little bit about what you can do and try to help you <laughs> in her very sort of Fiona gruff way. Yeah, I called it half great because I think there is a lot of it that is really good, you know, very practical. The number of times that she says that she's proud of him, lovely. The insistence that he just like get over it right now. Yeah, and, not great. Like, not giving him the space to talk about it. I was like, Fiona, he is 11 years old. Come on. Come on. I get that. Maybe let him be like, I'm a vampire for one conversation and then be like, we can never talk about this again because they will literally murder you. But for this one time, maybe let him be like, I'm a vampire. I just ate my dad's dog, (laughs) you know? I mean, yes. Sorry. I'm I'm not. I'm you are correct. It's like Fiona could have had a touch more, a touch less repression for this conversation and it's like fiona i know that you're obviously also repressing some shit but this is 11 year old child like please let him process and feel his feelings right exactly but right again you are correct that a lot of how she handles this is really great and the fact that she repeatedly is just like you did such a good job really good problem solving baz so proud of you that i am definitely here for Um, I'm mad at her this story, not about that, just because it sounds like she, I guess I just, I think I had this in Caught in a Landslide because I'm just like, I wanted her and Nico and Baz and Simon to be friends, but it sounds like she has not stopped being a total shithead who's extremely unpleasant to be around, even in this, you know new happier life that she has and so i'm just bummed about that and i am choosing to blame her (laughs) and nico too obviously yeah it does seem like a missed opportunity where it's like fiona you and bass have a lot in common i feel like you could have really had a like strong doing our own thing kind of like being a like bit of a closer family unit but yeah the fact that she's yeah, for that Simon is like, I do not feel comfortable hanging out with Fiona and Nico. It's like, actually very sad. Yeah, it bums me out. Yeah. Do you want to talk about... I actually feel like I have Simon and Baz as one thing. Yeah, I mean, I do too, just because of a lot of it is sort of how they're supporting each other through this deeply awkward and uncomfortable queer milestone of being like, I can go out, I can go to your family's place even though they literally hate me and they don't want to talk about the fact that we're gay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just the honestly, the emotional growth that is demonstrated in Simon by the fact that he, you know, Baz is just like, oh, Daphne wanted this thing. It's obviously impossible. And Simon's like, no, I'll do it. You know? You're like, oh my God, that is so. That is such a different place than we have ever seen Simon. And you can tell he doesn't he's he doesn't feel pressured. Baz did not pressure him. He's just like, no, that sounds important. Let's just we should we should do that. I'll go with you. Sounds good. Yeah. And I also feel like Simon wasn't gonna let Baz go by himself, especially when they're like, they're kind of trying. And I was just Yeah. It's just deeply cute. I'm like, oh. 
So I mean, you'd be such a good partner. <laughs> so. I know. Uh, yeah, twice this book book story made me cry, actually. And the first time was when they're laying in bed and Baz is just being so open and vulnerable about his family and like their homophobia and what that feels like. And, you know, Simon is really open about not getting it, but also wanting to get it and wanting to hear more. And it's just so beautiful. And I was like, I'm crying now, which in a good way. It's really great. I know. It's just, it's so good to see them like this, especially since we have still several more chapters of them sort of tentatively coming back together in their relationship and trying to like work out both of their issues together as being in a relationship. And here it's just like, oh, you, you guys are making it work and it's so nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just want, I'm, I'm like touching my face over because I'm just like, it's so, it's just, it makes me want to just like pinch both of their cheeks because they're just so fucking cute. I'm just like, good job, you guys are doing great. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, oh, I feel like I'm getting so high pitched this episode. I'm sorry for everyone <laughs> listening in their headphones. But... Oh, the story's so good. Yeah, it's really... I... Oh my gosh. Yeah, I... It feels like a hug. The story just feels like a hug. Even though it's dealing with a lot of really heavy subject matter, you know? But even... Even in the midst of that, the human connection that we're seeing and the growth that we're seeing from both of our main characters is like... Just feels so tender and precious. I know. I feel like I can't remember any of the specifics, but like things that Rainbow Rowell was tweeting, posting on Instagram, whatever, around this story was very like, basically just being like, this is this is fan service. Like, this is for all of you. And like, if it were up to me, I would never write anything that didn't rip your heart out of your chest and stomp on it because that's just who she is as an author. And it felt a little bit where she was like, I'm a little bit grumpy about having written you this story, but here you go. And I'm like, thank you. Actually, I needed it very badly. <laughs> yeah, I really, yeah, I feel like, I feel like this story and the zine, it's like, yes, it was worth buying a book from your local Omaha bookseller <laughs> to get both of these things. Yeah, I'm kind of like, I honestly don't care. I'm like, this is great. This is actually, this is exactly what I want. <laughs> so I'm fan. Um, no, exactly, exactly. I really like that Simon is working for a builder, confused about what he's doing for a builder, but I'm like, you're going to be a carpenter, and I think that was one of the jobs that we selected for you, so great work. You've been <laughs> listening. <laughs> and I, I have a little bit about this in uh, Cotton and Landslide, but I actually am just like really proud of Simon for being like, this is what I'm into. I know it's not what people expect of like capital T, capital C, chosen one or capital C, capital O, chosen one. <laughs> but he's just like, this is what I'm into right now. And I'm like, I'm so proud of you. Make that construction money. <laughs> I mean, I guess probably not that it matters because obviously his grandma's rich and 
Baz is also rich. But still, he's doing a thing He's that he enjoys and is like a tangible thing that he can do. So I'm like, good for you. Yeah, exactly. And something that's going to, right, as we've repeatedly called for, get his energy out. You know, give him an mm-hmm. outlet for the amount of movement that he requires as a former chosen one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baz? I feel like Baz, like, goes through it in this, in this short story. He does. I mean, it is, of course, his homophobic family that he has to deal with. And, like, right, he's just so anxious for, like, so much of this, like, Christmas Eve interaction. And it's just like, oh, Baz. And especially just, like, his, the sort of almost anxiety that borders on terror about like eating in front of his family for the first time in so long and like in front of his siblings the first time ever (laughs) you know it's just like so tense and just so uncomfortable and i'm glad that simon made the unilateral decision to be like no fuck that (laughs) i know he's like babe you got this like you come on you can eat in front of people now and then baz does eat in front of his family for the first time since he was 11 years old and everyone's so proud of him and that's the second time that i cried in this book is just like because we get such a good sort of even though i think we're in simon's point of view for this you still get such a good sense of where baz is at emotionally having achieved this thing and also getting this recognition from his family and the fact that it's also tied up in I think Simon calls him babe in front of everyone during that scene too so everything is just so so many big things are happening at the same time and you're just like Baz I'm so happy for you I know I know and then his terrible stoic dad being like no it's time for champagne this is a champagne worthy occasion it's just like Okay, I can't totally forgive you for being a dick, but that is very nice. <laughs> yeah, totally. Ugh, I love it so much. I know. It's so good. It is. Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about things that are fucked up. Obviously, the primary fucked up thing here is homophobia. Yeah, I have one not homophobia thing. And maybe just because uh, listeners were recording this in the same, in a very similar time frame that we recorded our Halloween episode uh, about Doctor Who. But Daphne telling Baz about how she's been saving her carbs to have this like fancy tea setting. I'm just like, oh, life is too short for this sort of weird dieting rhetoric. I'm just like, eat, eat your carbs, eat, eat all the carbs. I don't know if you can't eat the carbs. You know, if your body if your body does not reject the carbs, yeah, totally. You should, because fuck diet culture. Yeah, the fact that it's a not even a carrot, I feel like, just stabbed me. Yeah, I agree. It's a bummer. Uh, yeah, I guess if we're getting non homophobia things out of the way first, I want to say I don't think that Baz's dad is like intentionally abusive to his family but obviously everyone's really fucked up because of him like Cordelia's like he scares everyone like when he walks in the room and everyone sort of like freezes and like you know stands up a little straighter and whatever I'm like 
you're not, I think, probably like yelling at people a lot or like beating anyone, but your presence is making everyone in your family very, very uncomfortable. Yeah, I feel like uh, Baz's dad, probably not big on the uh, emotional availability, emotional affection, probably. He's probably one of those terrible dads where it's like, you have to uh, earn my approval and love and any kind of kind words. And it's like, fuck you. Why'd you have so many fucking kids? then? Yeah, exactly. Um, All right. So, yes, speaking of Baz's dad, uh, we start the like homophobia shit with Daphne saying the dinner will be fine. No one will mention anything that troubles you, Baz. And I know that you won't mention anything that troubles your father. We'll have a lovely meal. I was just like, no, thank you. Absolutely not. Yeah, nothing about that sounds lovely. It sounds fucking garbage. And the fact that Baz wasn't immediately like, all right, I'm out, is like, <laughs> just like, you you really are trying. Because I would have been like, okay, thanks. I'm going to take my cake and I'm going to leave. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, you and I are in our <laughs> late 30s. So... <laughs> <laughs> sound that you just made about that (laughs) (laughs) but anyway you know i think that probably at 19 or 20 i would have had a a much more similar reaction to baz to a conversation like this because you know a lot less therapy a lot less deconditioning myself you know since then i've i've done a lot more um learning about the lack of importance of like biological family in terms of how much should they be prioritized if they aren't earning that, you know? So yeah, I, I feel like I get why Baz is just like, thank you so much. That won't work because Simon has to go hang out with his very nice grandma, but it was nice of you to try, you know? And an attempt was made. Right. <laughs> uh, or the or the the Tumblr you tried star. I, I was about to really say it's to like mind. not even the you tried star though. You know, it's like <laughs> you, you thought about trying is more where Daphne's at here. I do, however, love that the way that Baz deals with the situation. You know, he knows that it sucks and that he doesn't like it and that it doesn't really feel like meaningful trying and he's like so what i'm gonna do is dress so fucking gay and dress simon (laughs) so fucking gay (laughs) good for you (laughs) it's like you maybe don't want to talk about it but i'm about to walk in here with the gayest outfit. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, exactly. yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Purple plaid pants. He looks like he stepped out of a hot topic. <laughs> 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 but like hot topic for rich people, whatever I think that would be. Yeah. 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 All right, so there's a little section of this story where Bass tries to explain to Simon that he doesn't think that his family is 
homophobic, but they're just obsessed with, uh, as he says, they're obsessed with making the right choices and being the best at everything, which in this case is a very heteronormative lifestyle. Yeah, he calls it heterophilic. Yeah, Baz says heterophilic. I'm like, this is the heteropatriarchy. It's still homophobia to be like, I don't like that you're not living a conventional heterosexual lifestyle. Yeah, totally agreed. Yeah, I literally, my note on that is potato, potato. Yeah, and then, and I think part of it, not that it's worse, but it's some, it's, it feels somehow more insidious because it's like, there's the normal choice, the right choice, and then there's the wrong choice that you're making. And it's like, there wasn't going to ever be another choice that Bash was going to make, you know? So it's just. Right. And the fact that they just insist on ignoring the fact that he is a vampire, like, even if he was straight, he still is not going to produce any heirs because he's dead. You know, seems relevant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it it, it seems ridiculous for his dad and stepmom to still, I think, I think mostly mainly Baz's dad to still hold on to this idea when it's like, yes, again, your child is a gay vampire. Uh, so there, there just wasn't, this was never going to happen. Even if Baz, right. there's no, there's no reality in which <laughs> you were getting what you wanted here. Right. Exactly. So it's just like, so I guess for me, it just like feels, I mean, homophobia always feels very ridiculous to me. But I'm just like, what do you think? Just what, what would you think was going to happen? Right. Exactly. Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. I guess I just want to say that I am extremely proud of Simon for taking advantage of the moment where he's given the opportunity to go sit by Baz and just being like, I'm doing that. I'm, I, I can do it. You stay, <laughs> Mordelia. I'm I'm going to go sit by Baz, actually. Um, you all tried really hard to make us not sit next to each other, but look, uh, it's going to happen, so shut up. <laughs> I actually really did love that, because I'm just like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Fuck this seating arrangement. Yeah. Yeah. By the time we get to dinner, Simon is like, I have assessed this situation, and I'm extremely over it, actually, so... I'm not going to do anything like out of bounds, you know, that I should ask Baz first about, but I'm also not going to play their game explicitly. Which I definitely love. And I feel like that's such a, such a mood, especially for if you're neural atypical and are just like, you know, this, I, this fucking bullshit, this petty bullshit small talk not small talk shit that's happening it's like this isn't even actually real so i don't i can't even care about this yeah so and especially for simon who's like i have a, a i have an actual scale of what is terrible that i have experienced and what you can't experience and this is this isn't even on there <laughs> it's just everyone's just d- doesn't right. want to like say what they feel which is already bullshit so mm-hmm. exactly yeah uh, what do you have first here? 
Um, I would like to continue talking a little bit about Simon and his feelings about his post-chosen one lifestyle. And I feel like him saying it feels like people expect me to do a, like a great thing after this. And I just kind of don't want to do that or can't do that is very, it feels very gifted kid burnout meme, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I guess like a chosen one is sort of gifted kid on steroids anyway. So it makes sense that a post chosen one, whatever being post chosen is, it looks a lot like gifted kid burnout where it's like, well now what? <laughs> Yeah, totally agree. Don't love the fact that he is considering both the military and becoming a cop. Yeah. I was like, ugh, what? Yeah, I'm glad that Penny and Baz are like, for fuck's sakes, don't do that. I'm like, Simon, don't don't become a fascist. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, Right. <laughs> If you want to fly planes, like, learn how to fly planes and become a flight instructor, you know? Like, don't, don't join the Air Force. Like, Simon, what? Yeah, yeah. Don't join the military or the police force. Like, no. (laughs) Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. Drive a forklift. That sounds, you're doing a much more productive thing for society. Like, by a million. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Obviously, I think the best part of this entire story is that Baz's parents somehow think that getting railed cures vampirism. (laughs) (laughs) It turns out there are benefits to being gay. No, you fucked it out of him. Great work. like you know look at the look at the one thing being gay is good for is uh curing vampirism uh (laughs) as if gay vampires don't go hand in hand at all but whatever (laughs) yeah it's so funny oh my god and honestly if they just want to continue that lie with baz's family that's just like yep the more gay we are the less vampiric baz is i think they should just keep going with it (laughs) 100%. 100%. Yeah, Baz is like, I'm absolutely never telling them about Lamb. If they want to think that Simon did this, yes, let's let's do that. Hell yeah. Uh, do you have anything else here? Yes. Despite the fact that uh, Fiona and Nico are still just such assholes, they're having a better Christmas, I 110% guarantee <laughs> that whatever they're doing during this time mm-hmm. is better than sitting through this awkward dinner and now is the maybe yearly reminder to everyone that if going home for christmas makes you feel shitty you have my permission to not do that just do something else with that time stay in your house visit some friends go on a solo vacation or a friend vacation literally anything else besides feeling shitty you don't have to do that yep endorsed (laughs) <laughs> hashtag ruthless we will write you a permission slip <laughs> says you don't have to go <laughs> <sighs> welcome to send shivers down my spine where we talk about sexy stuff we 
literally start off, I think, in the first few pages of this short story with Simon just waving around his family sword, not a euphemism. <laughs> and I'm just like, love this <laughs> casual sword play happening. Also not a euphemism. Yeah. And the fact that Baz is like trying not to like get turned on by it, basically. He's like, I trying so hard not to like look impressed, but I'm failing. I'm like, <laughs> you're so into it. You love watching him do sword stuff and he loves watching you eat deer. You're so well matched. I know. Uh, they're so great. It's always great when your partner enjoys you experiencing your hobbies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, you know, honestly, even though there's a lot of like talk about how much great sex and like sexiness is happening between them the only thing that i wrote down here is the part where baz is like you're the most handsome man i've ever laid eyes on and simon's like i thought she said vampires could see themselves in the mirror oh so cute <laughs> it's like that's it's so cute i know <laughs> oh i know uh i do have one last thing which is I think it is Baz remarking about how great Simon looks in a sweater, especially now that he's wearing maybe more fitted sweaters. And I'm like, I bet he does look great. I'm so happy for everyone to have attractive form-fitting clothing, especially Simon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magic and science and magical science and research that we did. So Daphne starts off this story being like, wow, I wish there was like a Mary Poppins spell when having that, you know, a carpet bag that's essentially bigger on the inside be cool. And I'm like, there isn't a spell to make things bigger on the inside. That seems weird. Yeah. Like, for instance, it's bigger on the inside, which would be such a strong spell in the UK where literally everyone watches Doctor Who. Right? It is. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, how is that not a spell? (laughs) I mean, maybe it would make it bigger, but not lighter. Oh, yeah. The TARDIS is also canonically, apparently would be so heavy, it would like fall to the core of the earth if it was not, you know, dimensionally made to not do that. So it seems like that should make it lighter also. Yeah, that makes sense. Penny should get on should get on that. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be my master's thesis from Watford. I'm gonna invent it's bigger on the inside as a <laughs> as a spell to make your, your backpack bigger. Uh, I don't know what I don't know what spell I would work on if I was a student at Watford, but I mean I guess let's be real, probably some kind of talking to animal spell. <laughs> yep, that's a great idea. Um, I don't have anything here, so it's all you. Uh, all right. So I just have a few things, which is uh, Simon mentions that the new Grimpitch family dog is a Tiberian Mastiff, which they are giant and fluffy. They look they look basically like small bears. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the dogs that I uh, had canon Sirius's animagus form being because it is a dog you could legitimately mistake for a bear i 
it's clearly been so long. I'm like, I've pretty, I'm like, I feel like I've know what a Tiberian Mastiff looks like. Why is that? And I just assume because I like looking at photos of dogs on the internet. It's because I sent you photos of them. Also, <laughs> when I read that in the book, I took a note that just said, I want to hug the big dog. <laughs> I mean, I think they're as close to hugging a bear as you could safely get. So that, that sounds like a thing that I want. It's like literally one of my life goals is to hug a dog that big. <laughs> All right. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Um, We will be back in January with chapter 26, I think. In between now and then, you know, we got a lot of other stuff you could listen to if you miss us. Also, please check the show notes for links to all of the things, including our Patreon and our shop, which we would love for you to support us through. and until next time. Scatamoosh. Scatamoosh.